talk about wealth of knowledge. You, you bring it all together. Put the work in now to get yourself structured and organized and documented. We need to grow this top, top line. There is no one size fits all for this industry. Thanks for checking out a fresh episode of the Restoration Masterclass brought to you by InCircle. We are talking about profitability this year, um, everything having to do with profitability. So today we are talking about um, the idea of when a company gets to the size that there are multiple people in command and what it looks like between owners and lieutenants and first in command, second in command, how to deal with the nuances of having several people up at the top and how that fits into the profitability puzzle, I suppose. So I am excited to be joined by Tim Hall. He is the general manager of Violin Management Associates. He also has a big background in restoration, has been a lieutenant himself and understands how all of this looks and works. So Tim, thank you very much for joining me. I'm just going to start by having you introduce yourself to people who don't know you and share a little bit about your background. All right. Thanks, Michelle. Appreciate you having me on the on the show today. Um, yeah, I've been uh, like most people in the restoration industry by accident for a lot of years. <laughs> um, I think I got in in 2001, if I remember. So okay. it's been quite a while. Um, yeah. I've been uh, fortunate to be a part of a lot of different organizations that were uh, really at the top of their game, I think. Um, here in a couple here in Pittsburgh and uh, eventually landed with uh, Viola Management, still within the restoration industry. So um, yeah, as, as you mentioned, I've you know been fortunate to be in that second seat for a lot of the the years that I was in the business, and it's definitely an interesting perspective from there. So uh, hopefully, we can have a great conversation today. Yes. Okay. So last year you won the Golden Quill Award for the article that you wrote, second in command, first in line. So when you when people hear that term, can you explain a little bit about the article and the overall concept that you're talking about when you talk about second in command, first in line? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was a really fun article to write. And um, really the the kind of the motivator, I guess, behind it was there was a big desire from a lot of the client owners that we worked with to um, put a general manager in place, get somebody that's a, a right-hand man or somebody that can you know help them run their business for them. And, um, and that can mean a lot of different things at the top, really. But um, what we noticed was that um, there needed to be some, maybe some clearer expectations from the people who were going to sit in that seat as to what their real responsibilities were. Um, but also to maybe clarify the expectations of, of what the owners have going into it, because I think a lot of them had the misconception that if I just let somebody deal with the day-to-day -day operations, but don't really give them the authority that they need to have that influence or positive influence on the business, then things would still be okay. Um, so, uh, you know, I kind of put my thoughts down on paper. Um, when I first wrote it, I, I sent it to Chuck, our owner, and uh, I said, hey, can you take a look at this? Because I I'm, I'm want to make sure I'm not crossing any lines here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I haven't written a resume in a while, so I didn't want to start. Um, but, <laughs> no. you know, he was gracious enough to uh, give me some really positive feedback and even make some suggestions to the piece um, that we put in place there. And uh, I certainly didn't have you know, winning an award in my mind when I wrote it, it was more for the clients. Um, but it was cool from the, the standpoint of um, it, it kind of fell in line with the, the title just kind of fell in line with the piece, yeah. right? And obviously, yeah. the second in command kind of refers to those individuals who make their living running other people's businesses. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, you know, that's kind of the, the seat that I was fortunate to, to, to sit in even today, really. Um, and, and from that, there were a lot of 
kind of fundamental elements that the people who were the lieutenants, if you will, um, that they had to recognize and understand to be successful. And I outlined those in in um, in under the the line, you know, first in line or uh, under the phrase first in line. Yep. And um, really, that it refers to, to four big things: be being the first in line to listen to the owner, try new things, accept responsibility, and sacrifice. Um, and the article just kind of wrote itself from there. So, um, yeah. You you have lived it out in multiple capacities. I know that. So, is there a certain revenue point where you find cleaning and restoration companies need a lieutenant, whether it be a GM or a president or whatever that may be? Yeah, not really, uh, Michelle. Okay. I mean, we we see it all over the place, really. Um, now, obviously, startup companies, uh, there's got to be some degree of involvement um, yeah. and levels of authority with the owner. Um, to get it off of the ground, unless you've got some really deep pockets and, and you're just starting up a venture and you're hiring the entire staff and your intention from the very beginning is to be um, just an investor, basically, in the business. Um, there is some startup, you know, ramp up time involved there. But um, no, I, I can't really say that there's one specific revenue mark that once you hit three, four, five, ten million that, you know, you need to put a general manager in place. I mean, we have companies that are, uh, you know, just client companies of ours that are just doing a couple million in revenue and the absentee, the, the owner wants to be an absentee, you know, kind of owner, um, you know, involved when they need to be. And they've got general managers in place and the system works just fine. So what are the general responsibilities that would fall on a general manager or this lieutenant type role? How much should be handed over to this person? What should they be overseeing um, in general over the company? And then it, we'll go a little bit further into how that relates to profitability. Right, right. Um, so that's a great question. And, and that's probably the biggest question that we get asked the most um, when we talk about these senior management positions. So whether it's a GM, a director of operations, a vice president, a CFO, you know, what, whatever, you know, kind of upper executive level management title you want to give them. Um, the, there's no hard, fast rule, right. Mm -hmm. Um, as, as far as what their level, level of responsibility should be. The biggest advice we give our clients is make sure that it's crystal clear and make sure that whatever, um, performance measurements you're going to use to evaluate that individual's performance are in alignment with the authority that you give them. So in other words, if you're going to give somebody the title of general manager and they're in charge of, uh, the ultimate profitability of the business, which they should be, then they also have to have the authority to make the, the P&L decisions that are inside of, of, um, of that expectation. Um, but you can't, you can't really say here, you know, here's the keys to the car, drive it, you know, as fast as you want. Um, but, you know, I'm going to determine where you buy gas and all the rest of that stuff. It, it doesn't work. Yes. So how often should a general manager be looking at the company's overall financials? Maybe it's P&Ls, everything. And how often then in an ideal situation, I suppose, is the owner looking at that stuff? Like, is there a checks and balances system as well once you have a GM in place of how much the owner should be involved on the financial side? Yeah. So I think there's really, there's probably two questions there, Michelle. So you know, you talk about the accountability piece, which would be the owner review and, and then also the manager's review. From, an, from a, a performance management standpoint, you know, we recommend that our clients look at things like cash flow, sales, revenue projections on a weekly basis. Um, those numbers change every single day and, and you really need to have some sort of, I don't want to say automated reporting structure in place, but some sort of dashboard reporting structure in place where you can kind of keep your eye on that. That's the dashboard that you're using uh, to drive down the road. So you have to keep your eye on the speed and the, the gas tank and all the rest of that stuff on a more regular basis. 
Um, as far as um, formal financial reports, though, like your, your profit loss, income statements, balance sheets, those things should be reviewed on a monthly, quarterly, and, and annual basis. Um, and at those intervals, we recommend that it be reviewed with the owner. So yep. it, it's kind of a joint meeting at that point. Yep. Um, but, you know, back to the accountability side, um, with that, uh, we're a firm believer in planning. I mean, you know that you've been to our business planning retreats before. Um, we, we strongly encourage people to, to establish a budget um, before the, the fiscal year starts. Make sure that that budget is, is uh, presented to the owner. Um, and then you get the blessing, you get the approval, um, because there's, there's a lot of authority that kind of goes along with that. When that's in place, then you have kind of a, a benchmark that you're shooting for as far as the numbers go. And it makes the conversation between the general manager, the director of operations, whoever it is, and the owner very easy, because you can look at it where you're at compared to the plan. Yes. Um, and then if you're obviously not, you know, working at the plan, either above or below, you can have conversations, critical conversations on what needs to be done to remedy it and, and make those corrections moving forward. When you think about the general managers that you've worked with over the years through Vueland, whether it's individually or through business planning or the executive summit, wherever it may be, what are some of the best general managers that you've met? What are they doing that's really helping drive their companies forward? Yeah. Uh, so um, I'm going to go back to the uh, the first in line um, kind of stuff, too, with that. Um, the four big things that, that we talk about all the time, listen to the owner, try new things, accept responsibility and sacrifice. Um, just to kind of elaborate on those a little bit, if, if the, yeah. the listeners yeah. haven't read the article. Um, but the owners um, and, and the general manager, the second in command, they have to have a really good trusting relationship. And it means having conversations that you wouldn't normally have in front of your staff. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I know Chuck and I have these conversations a lot and, and we started off by saying, you know, it's just you and me talking. <laughs> um, but, you know, kind of behind that curtain, um, the owners have concerns. And as somebody who's a lieutenant and trusted in running their business for them, you have to validate those concerns. Um, and listen to the ideas, listen to the criticism, and um, and really kind of look at it from kind of a filtering pr perspective, because a lot of it's not meant to get out. Um, but you you address those concerns, you validate those concerns, and then somewhere in there, there's always there's always a diamond in the rough, right? There's always it, there's an idea that comes out of it, and that's kind of the visionary piece that the second in command doesn't always have. Yeah. Um, but as an executor, you, you, you learn to recognize those and you go, Hey, wait a minute, there's something there. Let's, let's take that a step further. Um, you know, we also have to be the, the first to try new things. Um, mm -hmm. you know, if there's an idea, uh, um, a different way of doing things, uh, I've always been a proponent of, you know, the old saying, never ask your employees to do something that you wouldn't be willing to do yourself. So, yeah. Um, why not try it yourself first? You know, if it's a if it's a different tool, a different application, a different software system, whatever, you know, test it out yourself first before you expect your your staff to perform with it. Um, and along with that, also becomes accepting responsibility for the decisions and the actions that you make. And that one's a tough one because um, I know if you look at the the positions that fail or the individuals who mm -hmm. fail in these positions. Um, they have a tendency to kind of fall in the category where they're pointing the finger in other directions. Um, and, and that, look, that may be the case. Look, somebody else may have failed at their job, but ultimately 
you know, it, it comes back up to the top and you have to kind of turn that finger around to a thumb and say, you know what, uh, I hired that individual. I trained that individual. I, I, you know, I was responsible for that idea or, you know, that risk that we took. Um, so accepting that responsibility can be hard sometimes. Um, and then the last thing is, is sacrifice. Um, as a general manager or, or any uh, senior executive, you have to be willing to um, put your, your own self-interests aside for the betterment of the organization. And, uh, and, and that can definitely be a challenge because um, a lot of uh, individuals at that, that top line have a, a very healthy ego. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it can be tough to, to say, hey, look, I want to, I want to, make sure somebody else is taken care of from a compensation standpoint before I am, or um, I'm going to give, um, you know, somebody else a chance at sitting in the, the, the spotlight, if you will. So, um, yeah, so I think those um, hopefully answered your question. It did. This is getting a little bit into the weeds, but I'm curious, I'm sure that there are people listening to this who will be in like a GM type role. And it's like, okay, I understand that the owners, maybe the visionary, maybe in like Chuck terms, they are experiencing some e-drift and they have these ideas. Whereas the general manager, you're like, I don't really know that that's the best idea. So how, yeah. what is your advice for wading through that like e-drift or the big visions and trying to weed through like, this is a good idea. I know they really want to do this, but I don't think it's a good idea. Where, what happens in that <laughs> circumstance? Right. Um, so that's where the trust comes in, I think. And, um, you know, uh, looking at it from the owner's perspective, I think there's it's not just targeted at the individuals who are in the senior management roles, but it's also targeted at the owners. And and I think there's there's some have a level of understanding that that look everything that comes out of my mouth is not in order, or nor should it be. Yeah. Um. But there's others that kind of have to come to that acceptance. I think that you know maybe uh, maybe that idea wasn't the greatest. Um, so, you know, what I say is, you know, you got to have a filter and a catcher's mitt because um, the, the ideas are coming at you a mile a minute and you have to kind of filter through them and, and, and really sort through them and, and recognize the, the ones that are being thrown at you that are those diamonds that we talk about. So you can see it very quickly and say, you know what, I'm going to take that one. And I'm going to put it right over here. And when the time's right, we're going to bring that one back out again. Um, I know personally, I've got a big long list of stuff um, as the as the things come from me or come down from top to me, and uh, they land somewhere. Um, it's just not always where you think it, it would be. <laughs> I like all of your analogies: the gas tank and the filter and the catcher's mitt. All of these help yeah. help bring it all together and make a lot of sense. Okay, before we wrap it up, I would love your number one piece of advice for companies that are looking to increase their profitability. If there was one thing that they were going to do today, whether it relates to this general manager concept or something completely different, just your number one piece of advice for restoration companies looking to increase or do better with profitability. Oh boy, put me on the spot here, huh, Michelle? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at my crystal ball. Um, <laughs> You know, there's a there's been a lot going on in the industry uh, just in the last few years. You know, we've been we've been coming off of quite a few years of of consolidation now, where we've got a lot of portfolio companies that have established you know great great books out there and um, multiple location companies, national uh, brands that are being established. These these folks are getting organized. Um, mm -hmm. We're seeing it. Um, the, the interesting thing about that is you would think that everybody would be kind of jockeying for position to, to gain market share. And, um, if you look at, at least our client base has been really fortunate in that the demand has outpaced the supply. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
their problem isn't gaining more market share it's getting the work done and I think um, you're going to see more of that because uh, to me the battleground right now is going to be waged on and fought on resources yeah. uh, not necessarily market share so um, your ability to secure labor subcontractors um, supplier relationships are are really going to be the ones that allow companies to be more profitable and grow in the future um, that's the single limiting factor you can you have all the work in the world but if you can't get it done it yep. doesn't equate the dollars at the end of the month so I would say you know get organized get your resources in alignment and um, you know spend a lot of time focusing on that management of, of that aspect of of your service wise words wise words there are a lot of companies turning work down because they for example don't have enough people so wise mm -hmm. words well tim thank you very much for your insights i really appreciate it i look forward to seeing you at future events and i hope you have a great rest of your day you too thank you michelle